Hey, welcome to the Let's Go Eat Show. Hi, I'm Bill Allred. Uh, my guest this week is Tom Hackett. He's an Australian. He, he was a champion punter for the University of Utah, the running Utes, uh, a few years ago, not too long ago. Uh, won a national award, uh, and he's just a very personable guy, Tom Hackett. Um, I've just gotten, gotten to know him a little bit over the last uh, month or so, and then so we sat down today and talked and talked and talked and talked, and I think I know him a lot better. I think you'll know Tom Hackett a lot better, too, uh, when you listen to this episode of the Let's Go Eat show. Now, we start off talking about football, and we talk about football a lot. If you're bored by football, don't listen to the first part of the show. I would say go in about 15, 20 minutes, and then we start talking about Australia and what it's like to live there and what it's like to grow up there and all of that kind of thing, all right? Um, I think that's about all I have to say about it, except, uh, oh, uh, it would be a great benefit to us here on the Let's Go Eat show. If you would uh, give us ratings and that sort of thing on iTunes or however you do it, uh, rate the show, talk about it, make comments, and please uh, always send comments to us. Uh, you can send them to, um, just send them to bill at x96.com. Uh, send any comments you have, suggestions for the show, and then any place you can rate us uh, and give, give us a good rating, do that too. Would you please? Okay, thanks. Uh, that's it. Here's Tom Hackett. Right there, and I'm gonna. I always turn mine up because you'll find if you do radio as long as I do, you'll also become deaf. That's what I've uh, sort true. of been told. Have you also other well, people? My, my boss Bill, I think I think he's gone deaf. He has that thing cranked yeah. all the way up. I'm sure he does. It's just it, it's years of using headphones, and it just kind of destroys part of your hearing. I mean, it's not terrible. Although I find with my when I'm talking to my wife, almost inevitably she will say something, and I'll say, "What was that?" And she'll say it again, and then I'll get it. The, second time. Yeah, the second time. Hmm. It's just, I don't know. Uh, sometimes, I think maybe it's habit a little bit, too. What? What? <laughs> it's just kind of a habit. Uh, anyway, uh, Hackett, Tom Hackett. Is that, was it, is that your given name? Thomas was my given name. Thomas. Middle name? David Neville. Two names. Ooh. Yeah. That's well, pretty classy. Well, I was the first of five children. And so mum didn't think she was going to pop out five. Uh, she she tells me if she had known that at the start, I wouldn't have two names. But I got done with the two names because I was the first. Uh, well, you should be ha- you should wear it proudly. Uh, so Tom Hackett, uh, we can talk a lot about football, I suppose, because really that's what you're known for. Sure. University of Utah. Well, Hunter. Tom can talk a lot about football. I can talk a lot about football. Can okay. I really I know about football. Yeah, you're good. Kerry Kerry seems to be the problem, doesn't he? He's he's the one that's the most unsports. Yeah, I've noticed. Um, and I'm not a huge sports guy, although I find that uh, I for uh, I like to pay attention to things, so that's why I know about sports. But I also I I've always kind of liked football a lot. Right. Basketball doesn't do that much for me. So I don't pay that much, you know, that's, but I like football. You find your niche. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you were a punter at the University of Utah, a champion uh, award-winning punter. Thank you. Uh, from <laughs> uh, I said it so you didn't have to. Uh, yeah, what years were you there? I was there from 2012 to 2015. Uh, and uh, you broke records and set records and all of that and then ended up winning 
Now, that's something I didn't know until you won it, that there was actually an award they give to punters. Yes. Uh, I don't know if anybody in Utah actually knew that until... Maybe. I I think I was the first, I believe. I think I was, in fact, the first in the Pac-12, which is basically the biggest conference uh, western United States area, so... Uh, yeah, it was fun. It's I called guess. the Ray the Ray Guy Award. Ray Guy Award. Yeah, Ray Guy was a punter back in the day. And it's a, it's like the Heisman Trophy. It's like there are some other awards too that I don't really. There know are a about. bunch of defensive awards. player awards yeah. and all of that. No, it goes on. But the the award for punter, and so you were the best punter in the nation when you won that, right? I, I was. Uh, tw- twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen were the two years I was fortunate enough to win that award. So that was towards the end of my career. You know, I had some learning to do and then once i thought i had learned the game i uh, i seemed to have some success well it was so uh, what are you what kind of stats went into that to make you the best punter of the year uh it's not that difficult how far you kick the ball helps and then uh how, how many return yards against you against you is is also big and then another factor that goes into it is how many inside 20s or inside 10s and basically all that means if you if you go down a football field, it goes from 10 to 50 and then 50 on down, mm-hmm. depending on which way you're going. How many times you can pin the opponent deep into their own territory, whether it be inside the 20-yard line or inside the 10-yard mm-hmm. line. It, you know, it's, it's, it, we, we think of punting uh, probably as not very exciting in certain ways. No, I understand. Because it's, no, it's not something that you want right. to have your team do. Right. You don't want to punt the ball away. But if you have to, then if you have somebody who's really good at it, uh, that's certainly a plus. And it and what's exciting about it is occasionally, and with you, it was a lot of times, you would see a guy place a punt so beautifully. I mean, just like it land in the corner of the five yard line and just stop dead. That kind of thing. That's pretty cool to see. It's different. I grew up playing a game called Australian Rules Football, and uh, and that style of kick is used a ton. In fact, I would have started kicking a football when I was able to walk. So two or three years of age, I started learning that skill set. Uh, my coach back home, he describes it. In America, the, the pastime, or at least it was, I don't know if it still is, it seems to be shifting, but... You know, throwing a baseball with your old man out mm-hmm. in the front yard, yeah. back and forth. That's yeah. kind of what what you do around here. Maybe it's a football, depending on the family, but uh, it's a throwing motion, whereas back ho- home it's a kicking motion, uh, with Australian rules football being the largest sport in the state of Victoria, which uh, which is where I'm from. We grew up kicking the football back and forth with our old man, and, and, and that's where certain muscles get stronger from a younger age, and there seems to be some form of benefit. So, so you hold the ball kind of like a punter and kick it to your dad, and then he kicks it back to you. Correct. You're playing catch, but you're kicking. You're kicking. Right. Uh, what is it? Let's talk a little bit about uh, – oh, so you, that's how you develop the skill, and, and, and how do you get – I mean – so you're trying to get the ball, let's say, to, to, to just die and stop right. at a certain place when you right. kick it. That's your objective. Is there a certain te- – what is the technique for doing that? You put backspin on the football. Now, now it's not always going to stop dead. It's not always going to spin backwards. It depends on where the football lands in relation to the field itself. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is if, if you're spinning the ball backwards, you know, that there, there can be a tendency at times for it to land at the, on the front of the football, therefore it will bounce forward. It's based on the rotation in, in how fast the ball is actually spinning. I found that the faster I spun the ball, the more likelihood it had to bounce forward. So I would try and put a slower rotation on the football, and, and I had more luck bouncing the ball straight up or backwards uh, to stop it from from being a touchback. At the end of the day, you know, people will, will always say, uh, how do you do it? You know, tell me the yeah. secret. And there is no secret to it. It is luck at the end of the day. You can't actually control the football to bounce on a certain part of the football and therefore bounce backwards. It's impossible. But, but you can figure out a few tendencies here or there. And for me, it was not having the ball spin Fast. It was a slower rotation. Uh, how do you? Uh, and I, well, I guess it's the, how do you put the rotation on the ball it's with the, your foot? With my foot. It's, with your foot. It's the way you drop the football. It's the way you drop it yeah. on, onto your foot. Right. Or as the ball meets the foot. Correct. Yeah. And then you figure it out. I mean, and, you do it enough. And then distance. Uh, that's another. That was fa- that factored in. Sure. Uh, and that's another when the punter has to come on. If you see a big soaring punt that can also be pretty exciting it can be um and and, and there's probably two aspects of that there's distance but sometimes don't you want to kick it really high in the air hang time for not so much distance right so hang time is is another part of the punt game and uh again people will ask you know the secret to all of that and uh technique's a big part of it having the right technique it's like a golf swing they teach you so uh i grew, i grew up playing the game of golf I'm my old man who was an okay golfer i can beat him nowadays but uh he's getting old so bless his heart he would always tell me you know it's almost as if the slower you swing with control the further the ball will go uh let the club do the work is the phrase he would always use, mm-hmm. similar to the game of punting. Now, it definitely helps getting in the weight room and getting strong. Uh, you would never know that at five foot eleven, three yeah, quarters, you're not a big guy. pounds. I'm not the biggest guy, so I based a lot of my power off of uh, off of my technique, and, mm-hmm. and that's just repetition. I mean, you'll go, you'll you'll get really bored. So I used to spend about four hours at the park before I'd come over to the states. I would spend about four hours. I was I was employed part time mowing lawns at a park in. Uh in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Yeah, and so when I wasn't working in my days off, uh, which would have been, I would have three or four days off if you include weekends, I, I would go to the uh, just a local park. I'd mm-hmm. set some cones out so I'd know my distances. And I'd just, I'd just kick, and I'd try and master the technique. Uh, it's a different shaped ball than what I was used to kicking growing up, and so there was a bit of that to deal with. But it's just repetition. How did you, uh, uh, how did you get found? YouTube. Uh, in Australia, hmm? YouTube, really? Yeah, who who found you? Uh, so he's now the head coach up at Weber State University. Uh-huh. His name is uh, Jay Hill, uh-huh. uh, otherwise known as Coach Hill, and he he found me. So I have a coach back home in Australia. His story's brief, but I'll explain it to you. He was a very talented Australian rules football player. In fact, he was the number second uh, draft pick overall back in nineteen ninety. Eight, I'm going to say I could be wrong by a couple of years, mm. but he, for whatever reason, just couldn't couldn't finalize his game in in Australian rules to make it fit, and so he was bouncing around a few clubs, and he ended up saying, oh, "I'm over this. Uh, I'm going to try, you know, American football." He was one of the first to to really think and have a crack about coming over to the states, trying to play in the NFL. So he went over to the Green Bay Packers, and that year they had just. They just drafted a punter rather high in the third round. That's 
reasonably high for a punter. And uh, long story short, he didn't end up making the the team, mm. even though he felt he was the best punter out out of the two. And so he came back to Australia after that, shaking his head and really upset because uh, there was some money involved, there's money in the NFL, and he wasn't able to get it. He said, you know, I'm going to start a program out here, an academy, if you will, that teaches Australian kids the art of punting for them to go over to have more success than I did. We'll show those damn yanks. Yes, he was a bit bitter, I yeah. think. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's how it all started. I joined that academy. Um, you know, I paid back in the day, this would have been 2011, I was paying about four thousand bucks to join. Now, Jeez. nowadays, yeah. you, it's upwards of a, a thirteen thousand dollars because of you. Well, myself and others. Mm-hmm. It's not just me, but uh, mm-hmm. there has been some success, and so yeah. uh, that, that's how it all started. Once I joined that program, it was about a twelve-month, eleven-month journey until I was on a one-way flight. So, Coach Coach Hill. Uh, at Weber State now, but right. when he was with the U, he knew about that program. Well, he'd heard about heard it. about it and started kind of looking into it. Yeah, and so it's the program itself started in 2008. I I came in in 2011, so it was rather new. Uh, the first class only had three punters, and they went to the University of Hawaii, University of Eastern Kentucky, as well as the University of. Uh, I forget. the Maybe it was only those two. Anyway, uh, so I was rather new. They didn't know about me. The University of Utah and Coach Hill wouldn't offer me a scholarship because I'd never played the game before. Uh, and so I had to earn my earn my stripes that way. After a year, I was all awarded a scholarship, thankfully. My, my old man actually told me, uh, if you don't get a scholarship in a year, you're coming home. I said, mm-hmm. all right. Um, but I'm, I was able to get one, and, and hence I'm still here. To was it hard day. to learn the rules of the, the game for you? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, punting, very few rules when when it's fourth down into the field. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't yeah. difficult. Uh, and then my playbook is is <laughs> rather small. I've got three plays, or I had three plays, I mm-hmm. should say. Kick it left, down the middle, or to the right. Uh, and, and, and that was it. Yeah. So that part of it was easy. Now, the other rules, yeah, was, was a bit difficult. Because you, you had to learn, I mean, the rules of American football in general. I did. But I wasn't that stressed over it. I, I would roommate, in fact, my roommate for two years was Travis Wilson. He was the starting quarterback back when I was playing. So I would occasionally ask him if we were watching on the television. But, you know, mm-hmm. you, you watch the game, you start to figure it out yourself. It is quite complex, but it's not, uh, it's not rocket science. Yeah. So after a couple of years, I found myself having a decent understanding of what uh, the game is all about. And then... Uh, after I got done, I, I found a passion to watch the game. So, uh, you, uh, what, what's it like being, um, uh, you know, a s- smaller guy? You were right. one of the smaller guys on the team, <clears throat> and you, uh, you're out there, and there are people charging at you. Now, hopefully, your teammates are keeping them away from you, but uh, they're not always going to be successful, and you know that. Um, and so, there are all these big pieces of meat charging at you. And you're pretty a punter is pretty vulnerable in those moments, and you must have taken some hits. And what I mean, how, it, it, was that hard to get over? Well, how do you feel about all that? You don't think about it because if you do, the chances are you won't punt the ball very well. Now I got hit a couple of times. I didn't. I wasn't all that nervous. Now I knew that the chances were I'd get knocked around a couple of times throughout my career, and and that was the case. Uh, the way I punted the football. I would leave the pocket is what they call it. I'd roll out. And mm-hmm. so I was actually considered uh, potentially a runner. And so they were able to hit me after the punt, whereas if you stay within the pocket, uh, you you are somewhat protected by the rules. And uh, uh, Will they not call 
roughing the no. kicker if you're if you're rolling out. Correct. I see. And so against USC a couple of years ago, maybe it was my senior year, I forget now, but uh, later on in my career, we played USC in LA, and and they they tried to get after me, and it's fun. I mean, uh, I don't know. I have pads on myself, and I have a helmet, and. Mm. Uh, the main problem I had playing Australian rules football is I'd, I'd never broken a bone, thankfully, but I would always, I'd always cut my head open. You know, I'd bleed out of my head very easily, mm-hmm. and so I was just grateful to have a helmet on because the chances of that happening were smaller. No helmets in Australian rules? Uh, no helmets in Australian rules, no pads in Australian rules, but uh, like I said, no broken bones, but boy, my, uh, my cranium would just crack itself <laughs> open, I feel like it will. Yeah, well, uh, so, so uh, uh, and then there's the other thing that a punter may be called upon to do occasionally, and that's actually make a tackle. Correct. Did you ever, did you have to do that? I did, a couple of times, very nerve-wracking. I never let up a touchdown. Don't ask me how. I got very lucky on a couple of uh, occasions. Uh, I got trucked one time. What does that mean? So that means uh, basically I went to make a tackle, and, and the guy with the football that was returning it lowered his helmet on me and, and kind of hit me as if you're getting hit by a, by an 18-wheel. I mean, I went flying backwards, hands in the air, kind of horizontal type of thing. I mean, it was disgusting. Uh, he ended up scoring, but the play got called back because of a flag, thankfully. Was it a, the penalty about hitting you? No, the penalty was further back okay. in, in the play. There was a block in the back by mm. where he caught it. So uh, it went back a fair ways. But, yeah, that happened. And then towards the end of my career, uh, when I did have to make a tackle, I would ankle tap. I ankle tapped a couple of guys, and I just I have no idea how I did it because it was an open field, mm. and I'm not the fastest fella compared to these guys, and uh, I was able to get the job done. I, I still, to this day, and probably the rest of my life, will have no idea how it occurred. You know, the scariest part, Bill, about being a punter is actually running the fake punt. Yeah. So, True. so tackling's scary, but it happens so fast mm-hmm. that uh, that it's not that bad. Running a fake is where. Uh, I kind of felt my hair going gray. So where you're required to not punt it but keep it Correct. and try and make the artist. Correct, whether it be passing the football or running it. Now, now I ran it every time. Uh, four fake attempts I had, and I was uh, able to successfully get a first down on all four of them, not to score. Great. But uh, that, that was by far the scariest moment because Coach would call it on the sideline and then you'd run out and you'd stand there. Normally you'd stand there for five seconds before the ball's been snapped. If you add up all that time, I mean, it's it's probably 30 to 45 seconds worth of knowing that you're going to run a fake. And when you look <laughs> in front of you about 15 yards, there are just gigantic humans that look like they're ready to yeah. kill and feast on your uh, carcass. And, <laughs> and that was by far the scariest part of playing football for me. So you went from uh, the University of Utah and you tried your hand at, uh, at the pros and uh, you were... Uh, were you drafted or did you walk on? I was. It was undrafted free agent. Uh, so you um, went to the Jets. To the New York Jets. Um, and did you? You you didn't even actually end up playing a game, did no. you? But you you scrimmaged and practiced with those guys. Yeah, I was there for about four months. Uh, well, so how much bigger and faster? Are those guys compared to college players? The, the, the best of the college players. So I, I would have seen the body types that, that I okay. saw at the New York Jets. It's just they're all that, that size. Pac-12 has has a, a lot of those Yeah, guys. every team on the Pac-12 probably has three, four, maybe five. Mm. A really good team, you know, closer to ten. But but when you get to the pros, it's the, the entire 95, yeah. whatever they start with. And they're all that size. They're all that fast. They're all that strong. It's, so, it's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, that the, there are guys that are that big, and we're talking uh, up into two fifty pounds and more, and yet can still run like 
just like run like a son of a bitch. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. Yeah, um, I don't I don't get it. Neither do I, and that's why I didn't last. I think <laughs> uh, it, it was so they just said uh, fine, but not but never mind. So the, so they drafted uh, they drafted a punter. He was an Australian guy late in the in the 2015 draft. It was the seventh round. I was in communications with the special teams coach all throughout that day, and he was telling me. Uh, you know, they're really interested and they're thinking, you know, the, I knew the New York Jets had a, th- I think they had three picks in the final round. I said, okay, that, that's probably where I'm most likely going to fall if I do. Mm. And that's what they were telling me. Unfortunately, in, in the NFL, uh, there's a thing called the front office. Uh, you know, the general manager. The same thing in radio. <laughs> Unfortunately, in radio, there's a thing called <laughs> the front office. Yes, there you go. And so <laughs> the front office happened to get involved and they, they decided to draft this other fella that was, you know, more of a prototype, mm-hmm. uh, body-wise. And I, I was kind of left in the dusk. I ended up signing for them after the draft concluded, and I went into competition against Lockie, uh, the guy that's still there currently. He won mm. the job. Mm-hmm. Um, How's he doing for him? He had, he had a rough rookie season, but you know, you're expected to have a rough rookie season I, as a punter. Most punters do. They'll give him a couple of years to, to figure it out, and if he can do it, then they'll sign him on. But if, if they can't, they'll just let him go. It's the nature of the business. He knows that. Everybody else knows that, and so... Uh, I, I believe the start of this season he's done, he's done much better. So I'm hoping for his success. I text him uh, every couple of weeks, see how he's doing, and we have a conversation. We we had a lot in common. We're both from Australia, and so you know you find yourself yeah. in New York not knowing anybody, and you've got two Australians, and you happen to play the same position. You happen to share a hotel room. You find yourself making a friend, which was nice. Did you make, did you, and so uh, after the Jets, I let you go. That's Did you say to yourself, that's it, or... Or did uh, did uh, somebody else tell you that's it? I just had an inkling that that I wasn't the the prototype the NFL was looking for, and and I wasn't going to change that. Uh, that 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 might be changed in the future by an Australian, but he's going to be a much larger human being than I am that possesses much more power behind his leg. I had a strong leg, but I wasn't known to have a strong leg. I I was known to kick the ball where I wanted the ball to be right. kicked and. And long story short, I just I just had this realization once I got done with the Jets that you know what, uh, this this isn't worth a yeah, a battle worth fighting for in my opinion because I don't think if I'm being 100 percent honest with myself that I'm going to make it at the end of the day. So I'd rather start I'd rather start you know trying to pursue whatever else I wanted to pursue in in my in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to get a, a trial with the Detroit Lions. They flew me out there, and then I flew back. I wasn't able to sign with them, and so I, you know, I had a couple of calls. You did. Uh, did uh, you were the Jets for four months. Did that you make any money at that? So uh, they can they pay. They have to pay you a little bit. It's not much they? though. It really mm-hmm. is. And I signed a, a five thousand dollars signing bonus, mm-hmm. uh, which is normal. And then you know you get three thousand dollars of that because the contract you signed so large yeah. that the tax is just outrageous. And then I believe when I was there in the off-season, they would give you about 200 bucks every two weeks. You know, uh, let me ask you this, Tom, about NFL salaries. Uh, um, you know, we, we, uh, there's a lot of talk in the news right now about these, you know, millionaire football players. They make all this money and, 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 and they're does the average guy in the NFL, I mean, the average guy in the NFL, he's not making that kind of big money, is he? Um... The the lowest salary the NFL can give you is about five hundred ten thousand mm. dollars. 
Half a mil. Half a million dollars. And it has to go up for the first four years. And so uh, once you get through with your fourth year, your contract uh, or your annual salary should be about 800000 And so the money's definitely not bad. Okay. Nobody's getting paid, you know, mm-hmm. $20,000 to play in the NFL. But um, but it's, it's, it's not like other leagues in America. Basketball players, baseball players, and even hockey players, I believe, on average make more than the NFL makes. How uh, likely is it that somebody gets through four years, too? It's unlikely. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the number on the top of my head, but it's a couple of years. Yeah, most it? guys don't make it. No. Uh, four you, years. Yeah, you, you, you're lucky to last, I believe, somewhere around the two- to three-year mark. And yeah. uh, that's when most careers come to and then it's And then it's usually injury. Or injury will get will mm-hmm. kick you out of the league. Nobody will pick you up. So yeah. uh, it's a dog eat dog world. It's it's kind of like the doggiest of dog eat dog worlds, yeah. if you will. And so yeah. then I came to radio, and I didn't realize at the time. But this is a pretty dog eat dog world. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I figure. I mean, NFL's uh, higher up the, the potent <laughs> more money, ball. but but uh, but this is not far behind. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm doing well. Job security, you know, is a priority apparently. So for let's, me. let's go back to uh, uh, Australia. And uh, talk about you know. So you're here. You're a kid growing up in. You, did you grow up in Melbourne? Or? So I jumped around. Mm. Um, born in Sydney. Your father like running from the law? Or? No, no. Father's a businessman, or he was in banking. Now he's in insurance. But when he was in banking, uh, we we moved from Sydney, where I spent six years, to Japan. Uh, he got moved. He was working with Citibank back then. Uh, and they moved him to Tokyo, so we moved to Tokyo. I spent six years there, and then I made, I made my way back to, to Melbourne. I, I went to boarding school, actually, for a couple of years, not because I was naughty mm-hmm. uh, like most people and end up in boarding school, but because I went to a rather nice school, and the only way I could get in was if I attended at seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my old man was still working in Japan at the time, so I kind of had to make that commitment. And and I spent two and a half years in boarding school before my family made its way back to Melbourne. But bo- boarding school is more common, though, among uh, in in like Britain and sure. uh, and uh, white South Africa, right. and Australia. It's, yeah, it's a much more common. Yeah, thing a lot of, a lot of guys from from the country will come down and mm-hmm. and go to boarding school mm-hmm. if there are families a couple hours outside of Melbourne. They'll they'll attend a lot of uh, a lot of Asians will come from Asia. Oh, really? uh, On their way down mm-hmm. to. Um, the, the high school I attended, lots lots of Asians in uh, in Australia. You yeah, know. well, yeah, I guess we're uh, right below it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So um, uh, so your kid growing up, um, and you you were always interested in sports, and yep. that's kind of what you pursued. That was always a passion. It was really, if I'm being honest, the only the only thing I could find that I was good at. Like I I, I wasn't good at mathematics or science. I wasn't a musician. Um, banking and, wasn't for you. No, I didn't. Ne- never got into the baking industry. I do like to cook nowadays, but I don't. No banking. Bake. Oh, banking. Banking. Yeah. You said baking. <laughs> uh, banking wasn't was never my thing. My brother, like you know, wants to be a banker, mm-hmm. uh, but that was never for me. In fact, academics as a whole, I never, I never really enjoyed that much. Uh, and so, sport was always the one pastime that I found myself better at than a lot of people. And so, I found like a connection to mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I knew I just I you know I had a, had a passion for and it. And it was football particularly. It was a it was a, a Australian rules football. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, tell tell people a little bit about Australian rules football and how it's how it's different from the NFL. So we play on an oval shaped field. It's much larger than a f- an American football field. In fact, uh, it's about three times as long and about two times as wide. 
if you flip the American field vertically, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it is it is a big, big oval. Uh, there are four sticks on, a, on either end, two tall ones in the middle, and then on either side of the two tall ones, there are one, there's one small one. So four total on either side. The idea is to kick the football between the two tall sticks. Uh, that'll get you six points. Uh, there are 18 players on either team on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do math on air, but that's a lot more than, than the yeah. American game. And then... Uh, there's there's about four or five on the bench, um, and so you run around like headless chicken. What is the the ball? Uh, is is the ball similar, or is it more like a rugby ball? So it's similar shape size to a football as well as a rugby ball. It's, mm. it's about uh, in terms of size, it's about you split the difference between a rugby ball and an American football, and that's mm-hmm. the Australian. So it's football. a little bigger than an American. It is bigger, ball. but it's not quite as big as a rugby mm. ball. And and is, so you say you're just you say running around like chickens with your heads chopped off. There is no discernible pattern to any of it. Well, there are positions you've got defenders and attackers and midfielders, mm-hmm. and they all have a certain role. Defenders obviously want to stop their player from scoring. Attackers want to kick goals, and midfielders want to get their hands on the football and supply it to the attackers for them to kick the goals. But uh, but basically, you run around, you can hand pass it, you can't throw the football. So you have to punch the football to pass it, or you can kick it. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Punch it. So it, you're holding the ball in one hand, yeah. and you punch it with the other hand to your teammate. Sure. So there are two ways to pass it. One's the punching, we call mm-hmm. it a handball, or mm-hmm. you can kick it. Kick it to, to another player. If you punch the football to another opponent, then uh, or to your teammate, I should say, then the play continues. But if you kick it and the ball goes over 15 meters, then it's a free kick and the play stops. You get to go back, take your kick, and try and kick it to another teammate. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is basically to try and move the football, you know, closer to the goal and, and kick goals. Uh, is a, you know, uh, if you really think about it, American football is, it, it, it's kind of slow. It is. It's there's lots of time between plays. It's a chess really. match. Well, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of there is a lot of strategy. Just a lot of thinking goes mm-hmm. into it. A lot of strategy, like you said, goes into mm-hmm. it. And there's a lot of time to try and come up with, uh, you know, throughout the course of the week before a game, you watch however many hours of film, and then you get into game time, and you hope the team that you've been watching does the same thing you've seen on film. Uh, and and if they do, then you have a game plan set, and and you call certain plays for different reasons, setting up other plays down the field. But yeah, it's it's ba- what I've learned is that the game of American football is a chess match, and if you can understand the strategy that goes into it, then then it's one of the more fascinating games in the world. But but if you don't, then it it's one of the more boring things ever. I mean, no, yeah, nobody I, really yeah. knows. Well, as, I mean, you could say the same of uh, baseball as well. Yeah. Baseball, many people consider it very boring unless you really get it because it moves slowly. Right. But unless you really get into what is all the strategy that's going on, and it's constant on the baseball diamond, uh, pe- players shifting positions, uh, different pitches thrown in different situations, knowing the stats of all the – it's very complicated yeah. stuff. It's very similar to the game of football. Yeah. Um, and so it's fascinating. If you understand the game, then, yeah, it makes it much must-watch television. But I understand those out there uh, that – my girlfriend, for example, just cannot stand the game of football. Uh, in Perfect fact, for you. <laughs> e- yeah, even when she would come watch the games. I, I'd get her free tickets to the Utah games. You know, people die over those.
those tickets, it seems mm-hmm. like. And she'd get free ones right on the 50-yard line, three rows up, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, I don't know how much they would have cost, but probably a couple hundred bucks if I was to guess. And she'd be on her phone, you know, Instagramming away, whatever she does. And then her brothers would have to whack her and mm-hmm. say, Tom's out there, you know, for the first time. Oh, I'll watch Tom. And so she perks yeah. up and then I kick it. She goes, I think that was good, puts her head down again. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. Uh, so let's go back to Australian rules football. Not as much strategy then. No, it's it's more. There is strategy, but because the gameplay is constant, like the game of soccer, uh, and there are no timeouts, and then after the ball goes out of bounds, you don't stop and gather with your coaches. And mm-hmm. I mean, the ball gets thrown back in, and away you go. You, you don't quite know what the opposition's going to try and accomplish on that day you have a general idea some teams will try and 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 move the football through the middle of the field others are going to try and move it around the boundary side of the field so you have an idea but but you can't you can't put specific plays together if that Mm. makes sense because nobody knows what's going to happen on that particular day and it's so it's kind of more like rugby uh, it's more like rugby than anything. Yeah, it's, I would just, say. it's just fast. Um, and you uh, pursued that game with the intent of being a professional at it? And, of course. And uh, uh, making money at it. Are, do do uh, Australian rules players uh, make good money, some of, the, some of the stars? Yeah, some of the stars do. It's nothing like uh, the NFL or any American professional sport that there's not as much money in it. Uh, some of the best in the business will be making upwards of uh, $2 bucks. Uh, but it's nothing like, you know, Matt Stafford for the Detroit Lions, for example, just signed a five-year, $135 million, I believe, with $50 million guaranteed. I mean, it's got nothing uh, on that. But it's good money. It's enough to, enough to live off. Well, I think Steve Young, when he signed with one of his contracts with the San Francisco 49ers, man, he, I mean, he, it was unheard of money right. at the time. It's just... Uh, so, uh, did, so you pursued it? Did you and did you you played it professionally at all? Did you have nope. time to do that? Nope. nope. So, uh, college play or high school play? There's no college back in uh, uh, back in Australia. So you no go from high play. school and you get drafted right out of high school. Now there's some representative teams that you can go through in the high school ranks uh, and get yourself uh, scouted easier. But but you go straight from from high school into the pros and then if you want to if you want to attend university then you basically take it part time while you play and I was never able to do that uh long story short these guys will run a long ways uh it it's like 10 miles a game uh they they're just running tough because it's yeah. the field's so long and the ball's not very mm. big and the ball's every they just run yeah. until they can't run anymore and I hated running and so I was able to play in the best team on my high school uh, but I never ran. So in the off season, when the team would get together and you know run three k time trials, mm-hmm. where they'd be running under eleven minutes, and I I would be on the beach drinking beers with with all my other mates. I just hated running. I mean, the thought of running, and still to this day, honestly, the thought of running just drives me insane. Uh, and so that that was basically where I so, so Ameri- being an American football punter, punter is perfect for you. Punter, yes. You Keep don't have to. There. You don't have to run much. Occasionally, maybe, yeah. but that's, yeah. No, it's perfect. no, punting's it's, great. It's perfect for a mate who wants to sit on the beach and drink beer. Yeah, well, yeah. But, but the drinking age back in Australia is 18. As it should so be. So I was legally allowed to drink sure. beer, um, yeah. which was nice. Mm. I, had my, I had my first fake ID, and my mum and dad knew about it <laughs> uh, when I was 16. So you, could, so you were drinking beer with your mates when you were 16? 16. Yeah. And nobody cared. 
Nobody really cared. I mean, mum and dad weren't like, oh, yeah, here's a fake ID. I had to go out and sort out my own fake ID. <laughs> but uh, but once they found out I had one, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. Oh, your dad said, oh, I had my first fake ID when I was 16. Yeah, well, he probably had it when he was 12 back yeah, then. Really? Yeah. yeah. Australians have a reputation for being um, pretty good drinkers. Is that a well-deserved reputation? I don't know if it's something to be all that proud of. Well, that's not what I asked you. Is it, is it true? It's, yeah, well, it's almost like a religion. It really is. Uh, th- that's the best way I've learned to describe it to fellow Americans. America is very religious. Well, you know, wherever you go, whether it's Salt Lake and it's the LDS culture or any part of America, you're bound to find a number of churches on different corners in different nations. We are a very... People don't realize it. They say, oh, God is dead. Nobody cares. This is a very religious nation. Very religious country, yeah. and Australia is far from it. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, you know my dad's folks. Uh, Were they Anglican? or No, I went to a Protestant school, um, and so they're, they're, they're Christian, but they wouldn't be classified as Christian out here, if that <laughs> makes any sense. I mean, they are back home, but yeah. they're not out here. And I, I didn't even grow up. My my mates back home, I couldn't tell you a single friend of mine uh, that was religious. Or, or went to or, church? Or? No, or came from a religious family. I mm. couldn't tell you. So, uh, um, what is the is the predominant religion Protestant? Uh, around my area, yeah. it is. And, and so... You didn't go to church. No. Nope. Do do Australians believe in God? Well, yeah, some of them do. do I think. I, I mean, or you know, I mean, when I was in the Soviet Union okay. years ago, and I said to a, a a young woman there, I said, "Are you guys really atheists?" And she went, "Yeah, yeah, we we were." Now, some of the older people they're they are religious and and they still believe, but we were raised and my my parents and me are of the generation that no, we don't we don't believe in God, right? I think most Australians want to believe in God. <laughs> they just don't know how. And so I, I'm not atheist, but I'm ag- I, I think the terminology is agnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to believe that there's something up there, but I haven't found the time to go through and read 500 pages of <laughs> Latin, you know, English. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather shoot myself personally. I mean, it just sounds so boring. But uh, and so I don't know where I am. You know, I just I just go <clears throat> along my merry way. I've made it this mm-hmm. far, kind of believing. Have, have uh, the Mormons tried to um, – there must have been Mormon uh, folks who've tried to – Tom, come on. Let, let me tell you about well, this. I have and, a couple of Mormon friends. Like Andy Phillips, the field goal kicker that, that, that became quite famous himself while he was up at the U, uh, very religious guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the backup partner, Chris Van Orden, very re- uh, LDS religious mm-hmm. guy. And so I would – they would always tease me. They knew they were getting nowhere. They found that out rather early once I put them in their place. But I would always ask them when we'd have conversations – how does this work, and why on earth slash how on earth can you can you really believe this? And we'd always have – I don't want to call them debates. They, they were more conversations uh, that sometimes escalated. But, I mean, it was fascinating. It took me six months to have somewhat of an understanding. When I left Australia, my grandmother, uh, my mum's mum, said to me, and she's quite quirky, she, she said, uh, I swear, Tom. Oh, I swear, because when, when I was in boarding school, I'd always go live at her. So I, mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, on the weekends, I would spend time with my grandma. We became very close. And, and so she's not afraid to kind of tell me how she really feels. And, and she, she said to me, Tom, if you marry a Mormon, you'll never see me again. I said, a Mormon? What on earth is I didn't even know what a Mormon was. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, they're everywhere in Utah. 
granny would always say, they're ever a new type, do not marry a Mormon. What does she have against Mormons? I don't know. I never you went know. into it because I don't know. I, I, I didn't even know back then what, what, what a still Mormon with us? was. She is. I think it behooves you, Tom Haggett, now that you have lived amongst the Mormons, and I would, and I would dare say that you probably think, well, you know. She probably thinks uh, they have horns or well, something. Well, that's what I want. I want you to find that out. Okay, I can I said, do that. Granny, I've lived with them now. And, and, you know, there's nice Mormons and there's mean Mormons and there are all kinds of Mormons. And they're, they're, as a whole, I think you would say they're okay. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. A bi- I'm a big yeah. fan of, yeah. of the LDS culture. I have nothing against it. In fact, uh, so my girlfriend was baptized in the LDS church, mm-hmm. you know, back when, when you're eight or whatever age they do it at. And yeah. uh, she comes from a very LDS background. She's not active currently, but, uh, but yeah, she, her family, her mom and dad that, that I see – uh, and spend dinner with still are active, very and, active. and nice to you, very and, nice to yeah. me. And so, so you got to you got to tell Granny this and say, I'm just curious why you said that. I, I actually live in their basement. You live in your your girlfriend's parents' basement. Yeah, yeah. They they love you. There you go. Mm-hmm. They're well, trying. That's to, a rarity around here. They're though. trying to get you in the church. Is that what it is? No. Well, no. I thought of that. No, I'm just. So kidding. Why would they let me live here? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> that's uh, that, that's fascinating. I want to find. I want you. We work in the same building. We do. I want you to find out and let me know what your okay. granny says this weekend. I'll give her a bell. I'm just just really curious. So uh, it, it must have been a little shocking to you, though, to come here uh, from uh, a place where uh, apparently drinking beer is a religion to uh, a, a pretty religious culture. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not a fan of. The way the drinking culture here in in Utah is set up, and I'm not afraid to admit that. If you knew where I come from, you you would understand why I feel that way. Maybe a little better than uh, than than you do if you're listening. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. Um, I still can't really wrap my head around it. You know, I went to the liquor store the other day. My my favorite beer is uh, is the Wasatch Ghost Rider, mm. and I drink it. On weekends, some weekends, like it's water. I don't drink Monday through Friday, but on weekends, uh, yeah, sometimes it gets. I get a little carried away. And and that's I went, for those people who don't. That's a pretty high alcohol beer. Too. It's rather high alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. It has a punch to it. But um, I went to the liquor store and I said, uh, "I said, ma'am, why don't you guys have fridges here? Now, why am I buying warm beer?" Yeah. Uh, and she goes, "I actually don't know that answer. I, I would assume it would just be because." Uh, you know, some more expense on our end with with power and buying fridges, and I just—it's not it. Tell me, they 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 want you, they don't want you to be able to step out of the liquor store and pop open a beer and drink it. Is that what they're concerned about? Yeah, they don't. They want you to maybe you'll think twice from the time you get that beer home and get it cold. Maybe you'll think, you know, I don't need to drink any more beer. They've lost their marbles. I, it's really, I think that's really it. For the same reason you can't buy like, um, like a Coke or a mixer. You can't buy. What do you mean? Mar- you can't buy a Coke there to oh, the and store. then oh, some rums yeah. or Jack Daniels. Yeah, most liquor, Jack and Coke. You go to the liquor store in Nevada or something. You know, you buy a bottle of Jack Daniels and they'll have Coca Cola right. there as well. They'll you, have ice. Yeah, they'll nice, have ice. So. Or, yeah, no, I think it, it really it has a great deal to do with the fact that they want to make it as inconvenient for you as possible. Well, uh, they'll be happy to know that I have drunk far less here in the state of Utah than I did back home. Well, now, see, you shouldn't have said that. 
Now, you should not have said that. Because they just won. Because they won. They'll go, aha! Somebody in the Mormon church right now, hierarchy, is listening to this podcast going, there's another one. We're doing the right thing. That's I. Thanks not, for ruining it for the rest of us. Tom. I'm not kidding. It's you, all Hackett. my fault. It's all my uh, fault. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, of course, we uh, we uh, associate uh, Australians with uh, Foster's uh, beer. Well, it tastes and like urine. Doesn't I it? can't stand that. It tastes shit. like urine. It's piss. But but it's you grew up drinking that. No, no, you guys no, don't no. drink it. No, no, no. See, we're smarter than that, Bill. In fact, we think, uh, or, or we we make the rest of the world believe that we drink Foster's. Uh, when we keep all of the good beer to ourselves. So we drink all the good beer. The rest of the world that wants to be like Australia drinks piss. And, Foster's. Uh, and, yeah, Foster's. <laughs> and, and we go on our merry what, way. Uh, what are the beers in Australia that you like? The, can, can you get any of them here? No. You can't? No. So the IPAs are just uh, recently coming into the Australian beer market. Mm. Forever, forever and a day it's been about lager. Um, yeah, I like lagers myself. Lo- I love lagers. Uh, starting to get into the IPA crowd, but uh, Victorian Bitter and Car- uh, Carlton Draft are the two main beers yeah. on tap there. Yeah, I've had Carlton before. Very, ni- yeah. uh, very nice, in yeah. my opinion. It's, it's just a nice, nice. Yeah, it's very not too filling. No. Very drinkable, not too yeah. filling. Yeah. It's uh, it's not not light, mm-hmm. but it's not dark, mm-hmm. and you can just drink it all day. If yeah, you want. yeah, yeah. And that's what I want from a beer is one I can drink all day. Yeah, really. Uh, and so. Um, Oh, that, here's another thing I have to ask you. We're talking about eatables and drinkables. Uh, I knew an Australian who just loved Vegemite. Yeah. Uh, d- d- tell me about Vegemite. and uh, do, do you like Vegemite? Big fan of Vegemite. My God. I have so, I tried. That's okay, as long as you try. Holy shit, that stuff is just... Awful. Yeah, yeah. There's marmite, marmite, which is the same thing. I think. That's the English version. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You can shaft that one off. Uh, but Vegemite, <laughs> yeah, is it's basically the concentrate from the very bottom of a beer keg. Well, that sounds tasty. Right. Uh, you know, we talk about beer being our religion. We we drink the shit from the <laughs> or eat the shit, I should say, from the bottom of a beer right, keg. I mean, it's right. that desperate. That's yeah. how desperate we are yeah. back there. But uh, they turn it into this paste, and it's a spread that you apply on sandwiches or toast, uh, whatever floats your boat. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it's just yeasty it's bitter. and bitter. It's and bitter. And it's not oily. No. Um, and so... You, your parents will feed their children when they're when they're ill or when they're mm-hmm. crook. They'll they'll feed them when they're crook, sick, crook. Okay. Yeah, right. Vegemite toast. Yeah, uh, now I can see. May I don't think I've had it on. Maybe a nice warm piece of toast. Yeah, might. get some butter or some margarine yeah. in there. Yeah. But it, it's actually I, I understand it's actually pretty healthy for you. It's, it's yeah, it's not bad. It's so, got vi- vi- vitamin B twelve and stuff. right. Yeah, a lot of vitamins are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of American spreads uh, uh, filled with sugar. Right. Uh, lots of oil, peanut butter, d- jelly, jam, uh, Nutella. You know, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. whatever floats you. But it, it's quite, it's quite strong with sugar and and sweetness. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. almost like a, a candy itself. You can think about it. This isn't. No, and, and it's so far from it. Difference. That's why Americans don't like. Do it. you just do you eat it here? Do you still? Yes. You because you, you, I know you can probably buy it at. Some places. Mum you know. sends me care packages. Sends you Vegemite? Yeah. Does your girlfriend like it? She does. Really? In fact, it's her favorite spread. Really? Uh, dead serious. Yeah. And she's uh, 100% American. What? Uh, w- uh, so what are some of the other things that you 
miss from Australia. I mean, that unless your mother sent it to you, you would just miss it, like Vegemite. Uh, lamb? Lot, yeah, a lot of there's a lot of sheep in, oh, in Australia. How about mutton as well? Do, do I have no not mutton? You don't know you. Uh, you don't Brits eat mutton. I know Brits. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like something they would eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lamb is uh, is, and I didn't really think about this until a couple of years ago. But boy, we do eat a fair bit of lamb. You know, whether it be a rack of lamb or a big old breast of lamb that you mm-hmm. throw on the barbie, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a different meat. It's it's tender and juicy, mm-hmm. and when cooked right, it's fantastic. Well, you know, there is a, a lamb here in Utah. Have you had some of the no. uh, Morgan Valley uh, up there, uh, up Weber Canyon? Okay. Uh, Morgan Valley lamb. Okay. I'll find you the information about it. Okay, let me know. Uh, and you, and it's it's good. Okay. It's really good. A big fan yeah. of lamb. Uh, baked beans. Yeah. So it's a di- On it, toast? Yeah, the breakfast style baked beans mm-hmm. and it's different to what i've eaten out here in the states mm-hmm. and i can't tell you why but there's a different taste the sauce applied is obviously uh, made with different ingredients and uh, mm-hmm. i'm a big baked bean guy back home in australia i'll just cut open a couple of english muffins throw them in the toaster and heat up my baked beans apply the baked beans on the toast and bob's that, your uncle that's it some salt and pepper i love that phrase i've never really understood Understood where it came from or what it exactly means, but and Bob's your uncle. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. I think it just means uh, you know you, everything's you, good. Everything's fine. Everything's, everything's happy, good. Yeah. Everything. Bob's your uncle. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I love you know. I was in Australia only for a week and just yeah, yeah. and had a great time there. Uh, uh, oh, uh, how about um, Australian licorice? Okay, I it is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and, and I didn't ever have it until I was in Australia. I like licorice anyway, but uh, so it's that soft, delicious licorice. Is the stuff that you get here? It's pretty close. You can get it here. Those that Aussie style. Yeah, you see licorice. it. You see yeah. it in the supermarkets. Yeah. Uh, they they proclaim you know the Australian style licorice. And to be honest, I never really knew Australians had this niche for licorice mm. until I left and uh, and I saw packets in the supermarket in Japan or in mm. uh, in America wherever we traveled uh, but yeah the licorice back home's good I I'm not like uh, I'm not big on on licorice I enjoy it every now and then mm. but I don't eat it for breakfast lunch and dinner uh, the licorice back home, I will say, is ve- is very good yeah. compared to what you'll find in other parts of the world. Do people eat kangaroos? Yep. Uh, how how is it prepared? Uh, you eat the buttock, or, or the buttock's the finer part of the kangaroo. Uh, uh, it's delicious. In fact, I got tagged in a, in a tweet not long ago uh, by The Independent, which is a news source that, that came out with an article titled... Uh, Australians urged by the government to eat more eat more kangaroos as population hits fifty million. Because so, they're pests, they're they're. I mean, they just multiply and, in parts. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 not. There's no short supply of them. I, I'm a city boy, and so uh, in larger cities, Melbourne, Sydney, uh, a couple of others around, you won't find them. But as you start to drive, make your way out into rural Australia, you'll just see them everywhere. We 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 went out to the bush um, last time I was there, and there, there was a part that we drove through, a couple of wineries, a few rolling hills, and uh, next thing you know, you're driving, and there's there's probably three, four, five hundred just right bang straight smack. Five hundred, like in a herd of yeah, kangaroos. just kind of doing their own thing out in the out in the wilderness in the bush. 
I, it, do people box kangaroos in Australia? Well, there's that one video that came out. I'm sure you... I you, didn't. You no. didn't see it? No. Oh, I mean, I've heard of this thing. I haven't seen it. Well, there's a video that came out of a farmer that was going on a hunting trip uh, back home in Australia, and uh, you you bring your dog with you, your, 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 your herd dog or whatever, out on, on the farm, and mm-hmm. you'll go shoot something. They'll go drag the animal back for you, and unfortunately, this dog got in... Uh, I guess an altercation with a kangaroo. It was a big, bu- it was a big bugger. Mm-hmm. The kangaroo was, you know, six foot odd tall, and and he had the dog in a headlock. And so the farmer, you know, just acting on instincts, I'd imagine, walk, runs on over and starts boxing this kangaroo oh, uh, and socks him in in the chin. And the kangaroo kind of, you know, gets shaken up a bit, looks at the bloke, and and trots on off. So. I'm, I'll look for that. That should be available. Oh, right? you'll have a good chuckle. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so, and kangaroo meat is is good. It's, yeah. It tastes good. No, it does. It's uh, it's just a lean steak. No, I remember when I was a kid, my uh, father had cans of kangaroo tail soup. Okay. Is that such a thing? Oh, well, I'm sure it is, but not from my parts. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, uh, kookaburras. Kookaburras. Are they everywhere? Yeah. They wake they, you up. They make a lot of noise. Oh yeah. They're birds, by they the way. Are, yeah. Yeah. They're- they sit in the old gum tree. The old gum Ma- tree. Mary, Mary, King of the Bushes. There you he. go. Laugh, kookaburra. Uh, they'll wake you up. Pretty, pretty birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, white with, you know, that yellow feather kind of going over. Or mohawk, I guess, is mm-hmm. a better word to explain it. Uh, and so, if you if you live around gum trees, a lot of Australians do. Then come six o'clock, the sun will rise and the kookaburras will start singing. So, uh, you know, if you're not a morning person like myself, they're pests, and mm-hmm. you want to get your little BB gun out, shoot them between the eyes. But uh, you <laughs> it's know, the way they handle things in Australia. A yeah. lot of people, yeah. a lot of people enjoy shooting waking. the kookaburras. Well, I would oh. say shooting, waking up to <laughs> oh, waking them. up to them. Yeah, I'm well, a minority. Now, how about uh, uh, are there um, uh, koala bears everywhere? Uh, yeah. Everywhere. I wouldn't say everywhere. I mean, more kookaburras, common more to kangaroos. See, common to see you them. You can't though. see them nearly as well. They're up in the tree. So mm. They sleep 23 of the 24 hours a day. Really? They're high on the eucalyptus leaf. Mm. and uh, Their life sounds fantastic, but they're kind of you know burrowed up in the gum trees. Gum tree is a very large tree with a lot of branches. It's is that kinda, the same? A eucalyptus is a gum tree, the same thing? Or? Yeah, I think the it's the eucalyptus leaf or there's mm-hmm. a lot of eucalyptus within the gum leaf gotcha. that, uh, that they enjoy and and that acts as some form of drug, and that's why they sleep so much. So this is also exotic. And then the platypus. The platypus. You see that anywhere? Uh, I have not. You'll see that more up uh, in the tropical part protected of Australia. Protected species? Yeah, protected species up there in northern mm-hmm. Australia. I'm from down south, but up the north you get, you know, the closer you are to the equator, mm-hmm. and the far more tropical it becomes. So this seems also exotic to uh, Americans, certainly. Was there anything when you came here that you thought, well, that's exotic, or does mountains. it all... Mountains. Mountains. Oh, yeah, I guess that would that would be... It's flat back home. Yeah, what, Ayers Rock, is that the highest Yeah, but I mean, that's in, in the Australia? middle of nothing. Yeah, and it's... It's a it, bank smack in the middle. Yeah, it's beautiful to see pictures of it. Uh, have you been to it? No, 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 I haven't ventured that far. It's hard to, hard to get to, really. Yeah, so uh, 90% of Australia lives within <clears throat> 50, 50 kilometers, mm-hmm. 50 miles of the coast line. So the mountains were... 
Do, uh, it blew, you, me, you, blew me away. Yeah, do you remember getting what you what it was like getting yeah, off the plane? Or? I flew into L.A., and then you fly from L.A., and you get you know you travel over mountains. Mm-hmm. I guess whether you come from L.A. or you're going east, you'll go over mountains yeah. either way. So uh, I just remember seeing and being like, good Lord, what on earth are these? These gigantic things. I assume they were mountains, not hills. And mm-hmm. then when you fly in to Salt Lake, you know, we're kind of in the yeah. – in the middle of uh, you know, surrounding mountains. Mm-hmm. So it was just fascinating. Once I got off the plane, you drive around and you can see the landscape, and, and that was just fascinating. And then if you had a – I assume you've had a chance to go out and, you know, get into the mountains. Up into and, the Uintas. And go to the uh, – uh, oh, the Uintas is beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and uh, the Lart, the only major mountain range in the United States that runs east and west. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. All the – you know, most of the major ranges run – well, all of them, north and south, okay, except for the windows. There you go. Uh, and then, uh, and southern Utah. Southern Utah, we ventured. Um, we went and did Zion's, mm-hmm. uh, and there's that hike there they call Angels Landing. Uh, oh, you did that? Oh, yeah. I've done that twice. Okay, it's pretty hard. It w- it wasn't easy mm-hmm. uh, for a fellow that doesn't like to run much mm-hmm. or even you know get his heart rate up, <laughs> but. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, we went down there to camp, and you know we were. It was my girlfriend. I've been dating her for many years, and now, and uh, mm-hmm. we would have been in our young twenties a couple of years ago, and uh, we didn't check the weather because we're young, dumb, and stupid, and we still are. And <laughs> we went down there. Storm came in, and so mm-hmm. we went up, did Angels Land in the first day we were there. Came back. You know, you take the bus, come back down to camp, and by the time we got to camp, because it started raining right as we were getting done with the hike. Uh, our tent was down in the little stream that mm-hmm. was next to the campsite, and it was just absolute chaos. And everything was booked. There was all of the dorms of the apartments down there, the hotels. The hotels, yeah. They're all booked. And so we said, "Ah, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna go drive home." So I don't think we spent a night. Now that I think about yeah. it, yeah, yeah. We, we went down and came back. Mm. Uh, so what's uh, what do you what do you think? Oh, I was going to ask you another question about Australia, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I've. And I don't know a lot about it. Actually, I have two questions I want to ask. Let me ask you the easier one first. Why do you think it is that there are so many incredibly good rock bands that have come out of Australia? I don't know. I really don't. Isn't that, I mean... ACDC headlines, probably that list, but Mm -hmm. there are a number... Midnight Oil is a big favorite of mine. Um, Yeah, there are, I mean, just any number of... The hoodoo gurus. I don't know. I I have no explanation. I really don't. It's a, it's a country that is very mellow, and so to have so many rock bands kind of uh, doesn't make much sense. But I think music is a big part of the culture. It's uh, similar to how it is here in the states. Mm-hmm. Music is is very big within teenagers, and then you kind of get attached as you go on throughout life it's 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 just the same back home i i don't know why i, yeah. I have no explanation so here's the hard question uh indigenous peoples yeah in australia uh-huh. uh aboriginal people that mm-hmm. think. um it seems to me that australia has gone a long way in figuring out how to deal with indigenous people and and I compare it to the way uh, we think about Native people here in America. We don't. We don't think about them. We don't. Uh, we don't respect their sovereignty. Um, 
the, you know, the, the uh, Native American tribes here are sovereign nations, really. They, they are co- uh, countries to themselves, but we don't respect that. Um, I was quite amazed. There was a univer- former University of Utah professor. You might have seen this in the news this week. Uh, she, I believe it was. She had retired and lived in California now. But as she was doing family research and things, she realized that her, her parents or her, not, not her parents, her grandparents, great-grandparents, had s- made a lot of money selling land that they'd essentially just s- s- taken from Native Americans. Right. And so she uh, gave a $250,000 uh, donation to the Ute uh, Indian tribe. Uh, but that's a, a rare thing. We don't we don't acknowledge the fact that essentially we stole that land. This all all of this land we took from uh, the people who really lived here, and it seems to me that uh, Australians have gone some distance in trying to deal with that same situation. Yeah, it's interesting. It was only a couple of years ago. It was probably somewhere around the ten year mark that the Prime Minister of Australia officially apologized to the Aboriginal community. Since then, they, they, there was no word, there was no apology mm-hmm. from white Australia to, towards, the native, uh, to, towards the native communities there. And so that, w- that was a big step in the right direction. Um, that was about 10 years ago. So it was pretty late. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I would have preferred that to occur uh, before I was born. It was, it was a long time before 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 that I think it was necessary anyway uh, we, we leave them alone for the most part they do their they do their thing out in the wilderness that's how they want to live and so we let them live that way uh, and we just try the, the government I'm talking about will try and help financially there's been some accommodate. reparations I think um, and so it just seems to me that they, that Australians maybe have gone a certain uh, a few steps forward into trying to understand what happened there and and um, and who those people are. Yeah, and, and that's the most important thing, I think, for uh, Western Australia, you know, uh, white Caucasian Australians that weren't there back, back when the uh, indigenous communities were. You, you've got to respect their land. You've got to acknowledge the fact that you essentially took it over, and uh, you want to leave them alone, but you want to accommodate if, if they're in need of some help. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they like to live... A very easy lifestyle in which, uh, you know, they they go and pick off their own fruits from the trees. They'll go kill their own animals to eat. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of them now that, especially up in Darwin, which is northern Australia, a lot of them uh, are from that area, and it's starting to become more of a larger city. Mm -hmm. Some of them are getting caught up in in alcohol Mm -hmm. um, as well as drugs, and Mm -hmm. so that's a shame to see. But uh, it's good to see them living their own little lifestyle way out in the middle of nowhere like they did back when uh, when we took it over. What uh, uh, So is Australia a commonwealth still? Yes. Of Great Britain? Correct. Uh, Did you want to – I know there was a big referendum vote – to become an independent uh, of Great Britain, and that failed, right? I believe it did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any? What do you do? You care? I don't, because the Queen visits once a year, and she jumps on a trolley train. Hello. Yep. She Hello. waves her bloody hand and Hello. eats some of the finer food, and then mm-hmm. departs. I mean, she's on our currency. Her face is on mm-hmm. our currency, along with a number of 
of others, I believe. There's from, Aboriginal people on currency, There are too. Aboriginal people on the currency. I, I, I just – I don't care. I mean I don't – I honestly, the more I think about it, I don't know what difference it would really make to the community and to society mm-hmm. back in Australia because uh, we get some benefits from it. We, we get to go to the Commonwealth Games, for example. There you <laughs> go. Very prestigious event that we get to attend and partake in. So I could care less whether we are part of the Commonwealth, whether we're not because I feel as though a lot of Australians that live – in Australia, forget that we are part of the Commonwealth anyway. So you're here in America. Uh, you have an American girlfriend. Uh, you're working on radio here uh, in Utah. Um, plans? You you want to uh, remain here in America, or would you like to go back? Eventually, I'd love to go back and open up... Uh, I've got a number of ideas. I've always been an ideas guy. I, I, I want to try and stay in radio you know how it is the business is is pretty fierce and so mm-hmm. you you try and survive if i'm able to survive then i'd love to get some side hobbies going here in the states real estate interests me mm. uh and then if it doesn't work out here in the states uh not not that the grass is greener on the other side so to speak but it would be always it would always be nice to kind of be able to go home and spend a handful of years back there. I've only lived in Australia now that I think about it for yeah, 15 of my 25 years existence, maybe slightly mm-hmm. more. So uh, so I'd like to get back eventually and spend some time in, in Australia. I do enjoy it. I actually want to open up like a little Mexican uh, food business back not, in Sydney. My guess is there's not much good Mexican food in Australia. Well, it's like Tex-Mex. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's like a gourmet style of Mexican where the food portion's much smaller. You pay oh, yeah. three mm-hmm. bucks for a bloody taco that you can finish in one bite type mm-hmm. of deal. And, and I've, I've learned – I haven't traveled to Mexico. I would love to one day. But uh, even just here in, the, in, in Utah, if you, if you travel to Southern California, you start to get an appreciation for yeah. some of the, 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 the more traditional style – uh, Taco Taco, just down the road, I went to not long ago. I think that place is fantastic. Is that a, is that one of the carts? No, it's mm. a, it's kind of like a hole in the wall, but it's Taco, a little fancy Taco. hole in the wall. Huh. So uh, just down the road, somewhere around here downtown, yeah, I, I checked it out, and mm. I thought, uh, wow, people in Australia would thoroughly enjoy this. So well, maybe you, that'll be. You'd have to take some a Mexican or two with you. Yes, to, they, yeah, to, they, to cook it. I for can't you. cook it. I no, guess. you'd have to find some Mexicans who want to go with you. Are there, there are there many, uh, uh, probably not many Mexicans no, at all in no. Australia. You know, the, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I've got a sure. good friend on uh, up at the football team. He's uh, in charge of the recruiting, and he's Hispanic himself. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> you know, one of the first questions he would ask me: We're, we're very good friends. It's worth noting we're very good friends because this joke is kind of sick. But uh, but he would say, you know, why are there no Mexicans in Australia? And so I didn't know how to answer that question, and then he kind of whispered in my ear, or a fellow teammate, I believe, whispered in my ear, you know, an answer to it. And so one day he comes by and says, why are there no Mexicans in Australia, Tom? I said, because you haven't built a Home Depot, Pablo. <laughs> and he just started dying laughing, and we kind of go back and forth. But I'm, there's, no, there's yeah. no Mexicans in Australia. Yeah, no. There's plenty of, plenty of Asians, but, yeah. but no Mexicans. No, yeah. unfortunately not. I'd love them to be, because the food, uh, you know, I'm... I was a fan of Mexican food before I came. Mum and Dad would make Mexican food mm-hmm. uh, back home, their, their own version. And then when I came out here, I fell in love. I mean, I, I still, to this day, eat probably three burritos a week. It's really? It's disgusting. Yeah. Well, you know, you're uh, welcome to stay here as long as oh, you like. Oh, thank you, Bill. I, uh, now you've gotten my permission. 
you can stay here as long as you like. Uh, I, I think you, um, but I, I don't know. It's Australia is a great place. I it would, is. I, I would miss it des- desperately if I'd spent time there, more time there. So one of the reasons I'm I'm not jumping at the bit to get back there is because uh, through football and through networking I've been able to make a you know a somewhat of a name for myself here locally in the state and I I find it important that uh, I put a lot of hard work in while I was playing uh, to try and please the people that cared about Utah football that there ought to be a way if I'm going to start and I, I'm not going to play in the NFL that there ought to be a way I can utilize the networking in which I, I tried to accomplish when I was playing uh, to the best of my ability. And for me to get the job I have here at Broadway Media, I find uh, that was a big part of that. And, and if things don't work out here, then so be it, whenever that may be. Uh, there ought to be opportunities elsewhere here in the state of Utah as well that I can utilize. So uh, that that is probably you know the main reason I haven't just gone, you know what, bugger it, I'm going back yeah. home. Because if I go back home, if I wanted to get into the radio business, I'd be down the very bottom of the barrel. I'd have to work my way way up there. You know, In 10 years' time, maybe I'd get a gig uh, on air talking mm-hmm. sports. And so uh, I was just fortunate to, to be able to come here and make a name for myself in my own little way. And, and who knows, you may just end up staying here. You never and know. We'll, see, we'll hear you on the network. You never know. Calling, doing side for a color, uh, color sides for a, an, an NFL game. Yeah, on. you never know. Yeah, do well, you? maybe. Yeah. So, uh, Tom, thanks a lot for no, taking no, time Bill. with us. Pleasure's uh, all mine. You can hear Tom Hackett uh, on ESPN AM 700. Correct. Uh, you're on every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 two p.m. To six. Yeah, drive time. Four hours. It's, it's a lot of I work. know. I do it every morning. Yeah, I feel for you. Four hours, and it's uh, you're not playing any music, and we don't either. It's just bullshitting all the time. <laughs> just four hours of bullshit. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to explain it. Yeah, so, yeah. If you want to hear bullshit, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, as, as long as we can make it last, uh, Tom is on the radio from Hell Show with us. I guess pretty regularly, I hope, on Fridays. Fridays. Right? Fridays I'm around. I'll drop in five, ten minutes, tell you. Try and simplify it for Kerry. You know, I feel for Kerry. <laughs> Try and simplify the football <laughs> conversation for the old man. Well, he'll get it. Yeah, he'll or get he won't. It. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. All right, Tom, thanks a lot. Thank you, Bill. Uh, thank you, Dylan, for producing the show. That's it for another episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred. And remember, if you're pouring the drinks, always make mine a double. Broadway Media Podcast Network.